0: This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald.
1: And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson.
0: And um, welcome to another exciting, action-packed podcast. Episode of Ignition, um, Father. Actually, we we, we uh, got a uh, an idea, and I told Father this before. Um, we do we we did get an email the other day uh, with an idea for a topic, and as always, we love to get your ideas for topics for future episodes of of, of Ignition. So please email me Sebergwald at sfcatholic org at uh, yeah, sorry. Seaburgwaldesfcatolic org. C B U R G W A L D at s-f-catholic.org And Keith, we will um, we will definitely get to your topic in a future episode, but I'm gonna we're gonna hold off on that for now because um, Father had uh, an interesting one that I wanted to run with a little bit. Um,
1: I didn't even know we had a request.
0: I know you didn't, and that's the other thing, Keith. Uh, I didn't tell Father yet. So, <laughs> so but Father to be right up your alley. That's all I'll say for now. I'm going to tease Father as well as the listener.
1: It's about bowling. It's about the moral benefits of bowling. Uh, dang it. <laughs> <sighs> and the moral dangers of the ex- of the uh, automatic scoring system.
0: Absolutely. And the physical danger of the ball return. Um, anyway, Father, how are you?
1: Uh, very well. Thank you very much.
0: Sem- um, semester well underway? S- sem-
1: semester is well underway. Students are... Uh, uh, eagerly studying, eagerly eagerly socializing. Uh, they're planning a formal or uh, uh, working towards a formal dance uh, that they've got going on in a little over a week, and quite excited about that.
0: Very nice, very nice. And we are, uh, let's see, we're recording this on Wednesday, January 30th. Um, just a couple more weeks. Th- what, three, two more weeks, Father, right? And it's March Madness. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, um, Lent is but all but two weeks away. So, uh, if you're not yet, start think haven't yet start thinking about um, your penance. We talked last week about uh, um, seven highly, seven habits of highly holy Catholics. And so, if you didn't listen to that podcast, you might want to go back and maybe there'd be a nugget or, nugget or two for you to think about. Uh, but for this this episode uh again we're in the midst of this year of faith um I think father I don't know about you i I you know there was certainly some attention given to it relatively speaking early on uh, but I think maybe with with the you know advent slash commercial Christmas then Christmas season um and then the New Year, um, I get the sense that people, to some degree, have, have are not as um, aware, perhaps, of the fact that we're still in the midst of the Year of Faith. Do you have any feeling, sense, about that one way or the other?
1: I think so. I mean, I try to bring it up in homilies or things like that, but uh, one thing I've learned in my almost uh, seven years now as a priest is I don't know if people always listen to everything I say in homilies. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and for good reason sometimes, because I think Jesus is talking to them and start so listening to him, and he's much more important to listen to than I am. But uh, yeah.
0: Just just to, it, it, obviously, I, I know the spirit in which you were saying that, but to get serious for a moment about that, um, you know, one of the things during the new translation of the Mass workshops that we did here at the diocese, and just conversations I had with people about it. Um, you as the, you and deacons and obviously our, our bishop as, as ordained men of the church, are empowered and graced by the Holy Spirit to be a channel uh, in many ways. We all are by our baptism. But, but the homily, I firmly believe that there is always at least one nugget in there for every one of us. if we're, if we're being attentive, no matter how quote unquote boring, um, or no matter how boring, <laughs> without the quotes, a homily might be. Um, there's always something there be, by the power and grace of the Holy Spirit, if not by the dynamism of the, the particular homilist. Um, so I, you know, I, I think Jesus does speak to the people during your homily through you,
1: and I and I believe so as well. And especially if the priest is prayerful, but even if not. Um, uh, but uh yeah, yeah yeah i definitely believe
0: that yeah so anyway i just you know it it's easy to for i think particularly among catholics for us to uh, uh, complain about homeless and frank I, you know that that's sort of a stereotype i honestly don't hear people complain about homeless hardly at all but that's at least the stereotype um But you just got to slow down because there's something there for you. Anyway, so yeah, the the, the sense of your faith, um, I think, has receded a bit. And uh, maybe as we approach Lent, um, it will come to the fore uh, a bit more. But I know that there's a a book that you're reading, Father, and we'll talk about this a bit. I've, I've, I've begun it myself a couple times, but never managed to complete it. That, that, with a topic or a point that, that you found that really is relevant to the whole year of faith and how we as Catholics can live out this year of faith and grow in our faith. So I think am going to throw it to you here.
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thank you very much. The, uh, the, uh, the book I'm reading is called The Everlasting Man, it's by G.K. Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton is an a, a English Catholic uh, author from the early 20th century, and this book, *Everlasting Man*, is about uh, about, about our own humanity and about Jesus Christ, um, and 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 with a desire to kind of make a a, a fresh presentation of uh, the gospel and the uniqueness of Christ. Um, interestingly, Dr. Bergwald, I didn't share this with you. Uh, originally, But this book is one of uh, five books uh, that uh, Catholic philosopher and theologian uh, Dr. Peter Kreeft, uh recommends as five books to read to save the Western world. Ooh. Uh, and uh, and uh, you've heard that he has this little program in that way. But I uh, heard about that in a podcast of his. And see, this podcaster listens to podcast. There you go. Um, actually, it's not really a podcast of his. But it's a recorded lecture. But anyways... Yes, five books uh, to save the Western world, uh, The Abolition of Man uh-huh. uh, by C.S. Lewis, uh, The Everlasting Man by G.K. Chesterton, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis, um, Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton, and now I'm forgetting what the fifth one was, which is why I should have prepared this point ahead of time. Dang
0: it. If At some point... If I start rambling, you, you take the opportunity to go and try to find that if it's easily well, accessible.
1: Actually, I was hoping that you would have been, like, Googling it while I was saying this.
0: Maybe our producer extraordinaire can Google that. Well, because I don't have a computer in front of me. I oh, this you is, don't
1: anymore. That's right. And then yeah. he could just put it into my little chat window. Yes. The Google chat thing that we have opened yes. between he and I's uh, talking computer boxes.
0: <laughs> anyways um, well I just I just want to I don't know, depending on who the fifth is because i I'm, I'm very curious to see i'm sensing, I'm sensing a sort of anti-American bias right now. I mean <laughs> among um,
1: well, um, well, actually, you could say uh, that it's an overly uh Anglophone bias
0: uh, indeed, well, it's, it's an overly it's English an bias as far <laughs> Anglophile yes, Anglophile, yes, yes. but anyways. anyway. anyway.
1: Uh, that means a lover of uh, English speakers, for those of you that um, need some vocabulary, uh, are still growing in your voc- in your vocabulary.
0: Gen- be gentle to the listeners now, Father.
1: Yes, I'm trying to be. And so well, I'm actually thinking of, uh, there's a young, uh, uh, there's a couple I'm doing marriage prep for, and uh, the, uh, the lady said that uh, one of the things that made her fall in love with her uh, spouse-to-be is that he completes her vocabulary? <laughs> and it's absolutely delightful and fun, and, the, and they're very—they uh, say it in a very loving and, and, and beautiful way, and it's just kind of, kind of cool. I
0: guess. That's awesome. You complete my vocabulary. my vocabulary.
1: Yes, and for dear any younger listeners, Dr. Bergwald there is referring to the movie from the 1990s, Jerry Maguire. It's Jerry Maguire. So the Everlasting Man is yep. not Jerry Maguire. No. Uh, the Everlasting Man is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. But in this introduction of this book, I've uh, really drawn into this whole notion that um, of familiarity and kind of this horrible uh, human tendency, or at least right now in um, our modern minds, that familiarity breeds contempt. Right. Uh, and you've heard that phrase before, Dr. Bergwald. Yes, sir. Yep. And uh, so uh, Chesterton, in his uh, verbose... Uh, style. Uh, some people comment that G.K. Chesterton plays with words like jugglers play with balls. Um, just kind of tosses words around up in the air, uses them in a very playful manner. Right. Uh, but in his writing, very serious though, he's, he's very concerned about um, this uh, um, this this lack of familiar or this or I should say, this overfamiliarity with the gospel message, which really is actually no familiarity at all. Um, and leading to an ill-educated uh, Christian who usually becomes an ill-tempered agnostic. Mm. And so, very troubling for us, though, in the year of faith, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And I think, certainly, if you, if you would look back at the text of Porta Fidei, that um, uh, uh, Pope Benedict even talks about that need to rediscover uh, uh, the faith in a, in a fresh manner. When he calls for the year of faith, he wants us to rediscover uh, the joy of the Christian faith. And uh, so Chesterton, in his book, makes a comment where he says um, that uh, he wonders what it would be like to kind of write the gospel uh, from the perspective of you know, the Far East. You know, what if it was a story of a man in China, you know, and, and instead of mangers, there's pagodas? Um, and just that whole idea to, to try and what do we what do we need to do to see things afresh? Yeah, I is that is that, a, is that a legitimate need to <clears throat> see things afresh?
0: Well, I think going back to what you said about familiarity breeding and contempt, and the point that you had just made just just a moment ago about the Holy Father's des- desire that um, during this year of faith we dis- we rediscover the joy of our faith. That's that's a point when I talk about the year of faith. That's definitely a point that I that I hone in on, um, and I refer to um, the, the prayer, uh, short prayer offered by the, the doctor of the church, the Spanish mystic Saint Teresa of Avila, um, Lord save me from dour-faced Christians. Lord save me from gloomy saints. Yeah. Um, the reality that, uh, too, for too off for too many of us, at least for too much of our lives, speaking for myself, we, uh, Oh, oh! I'm this. I've got to put up with these teachings, or do this, or that, or blah 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 blah. Um, and, and and a lack of joy, but then that idea of familiarity breeding contempt that you just spoke about,
1: right? Uh, and and, we, and we've become and you know we could look at lots of historical reasons of of how we got that way, just in the course of Christianity, uh, especially since uh, the time of the Enlightenment and and the Reformation in the West and kind of that over-intellectualized Christianity, especially maybe of Northern European um, uh, origins, uh, where they tried to create, you know, a Christianity that would be uh, stand out, standing on reason alone, or the Christianity of a pure reason. Um, I think maybe you might know some more of that philosophical, intellectual tradition, Dr. Bergwald.
0: Yeah, I, d- I definitely think that that's some of the, the background there, that uh, mm-hmm. th- that it became... Too cerebral. In fact, just recently I was, I was reading a, a commentary of the Holy Fathers when he was Father Joseph Ratzinger. Oh, uh, yeah, just after the time of the Council, and he's commenting on on one of the the constitutions from Vatican II, and and he talks a lot about critiquing um, intellectualism and uh, let's see, doctrinalism. So uh, uh, an overemphasis in this context of, of understanding of what divine revelation is, but an overemphasis in our faith. Overemphasis on on um, abstract or truth abstracted from life separated right. from life
1: and 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 from that uh, from the lived reality of things and which again is kind of to Chesterton's point here that you know there's a vibrancy to things that are alive and living and when we try to in kind of maybe our, our modern minds, we we're, we're analytical we're scientific we, always, we wanted to in order to dissect something you always have to kill it
0: Right, yes, you know, yes. In order
1: to dissect something, you always have to kill it. We want to dissect our faith, it seems, instead of allowing it to be alive and to trust in its, in its living nature in that way. Um, I, just uh, while we were talking, I went to the actual quote from Pope Benedict, and it's right from the very beginning of his call for this year of faith. He says, you know, ever since the start of my ministry as successor of Peter, I have spoken of the need to rediscover the journey of faith, so as to shed ever clearer light on the joy and renewed enthusiasm of the encounter with Christ. Yes. You know, I think about um, him speaking about how with Christ, with Jesus Christ, it is a yes that we make, not a no. Um, You know, that... uh, our life with Christ is about is a yes to Him, not a no to this, no to that, no to something else.
0: Right, and it's and it's a yes to Him, not to a series of ideas. Uh, I, I'm sure I've referred to. It's become my favorite quote of His. Short quote, at least. Um, the the being Christian, um, the, the Christian faith is not just about believing that certain things are true, but is above all a, rela- a personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
1: Very much so, yes, and that—that's—that's that's the only thing that actually gives life. Yep. And we know we can know that from practical human experiences. Um, I heard uh, Curtis Martin, the founder of Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. He was speaking about how rules without a relationship lead to rebellion. Yep. It's kind of a basic principle of fatherhood. Yep. You know, for him as a father of his children, rules without relationship leads to rebellion, and it's the same way, of course, in the life of faith, and which is why our Lord. Uh, and God and His beauty and and, uh, and mystery has revealed Himself as Father, as Son, as Counselor, Holy Spirit, and um, and for us to rediscover the the beauty of that.
0: Yep, yep.
1: So uh, in this, I was even then struck. Um, I was reading uh, uh, some. I tried to read some Church News and things like that. And there was uh, two two profiles of the Archbishop of San Francisco recently uh, published, one by San Francisco Magazine, one by, I believe it was The Guardian, which is a uh, Catholic publication in England. And it's very interesting to see the differences in the way they approach the man, and really because they approach the man how they approach the faith. And uh, because, of course, San Francisco, what do we think of an American mind? Well, po- modern-day San Francisco, we think... Uh, culture of sexual culture of sexual revolution, right, and probably a forefront of uh, the active homosexual culture. And Archbishop Leon, uh... the Archbishop of San Francisco, has been very active and vocal in supporting uh, the uh, natural and uh, right definition of marriage. But uh, so the two the two articles, uh, the one in uh, I don't remember what the one in England was titled, but it very much allowed him to speak, and he spoke very nicely. The one the profile in the San Francisco magazine, a secular uh, uh magazine, it was titled Archbishop of No. <laughs> you
0: know,
1: Archbishop of No. And so um and so uh uh that's um uh, you know a very just a very telling presentation in that regard.
0: Well, so I, I, mean, I am curious, Father. By the way, the um, the, the English one, the, the um, maybe there there are two different papers, but um, in in England, the Guardian. There is a paper called the Guardian, but it's that's it's, not a church one. That's not a church one.
1: No, nope. you're okay. right. Sorry. Okay. Um You know, I, I don't remember. It might have been the Catholic Herald.
0: Uh, okay. So, but it was a Catholic newspaper, though. This pretty this, sure. Okay. It was, okay. Yes. Okay. Because yep. I would have been really impressed if it was the Guardian that had uh... right. Okay. All right.
1: And so. Um, but just so that whole idea then of, of kind of labeling and, and, and I, oh, we know what this faith is and you're just a man who tells us no, yep. instead of actually having an openness to consider, no, there might actually be something here.
0: Yep. Because again, there's that idea of familiarity. I think I understand what this is. This is, this is one of my points with the new evangelization. I think that one of the great challenges in the West is that there are so many people uh, who who, who do claim, um, the, the, you know, refer to themselves as Christians, even though they may not be practicing actively, uh, but even people generally who aren't Christian, who, oh yeah, I've, I've heard about you know Jesus Christ, or I've heard about the, the church or whatever, and they think they understand it, and it's that whole idea I'm pretty sure we've talked about before. They, they've, in a sense, been inoculated against the full power and truth and beauty of the gospel um, by this diminished, weakened, superficial sense of what it's all about. And that makes it that much more challenging then for us to try to reach them because they've got so many misconceptions or, or partial uh, understandings of of what uh, Christianity and Catholicism in particular is all about that it makes it that much it makes it it's it makes it harder to proclaim the gospel to them than it would be to somebody who has a blank slate in that regard. Would you would you agree with that?
1: Uh, I think so, very much. Um, and I, I don't know if you use the word and what you're saying there but I and a priest friend have talked about is being inoculated against yep. the gospel. Yep.
0: yep, yep. It's it's like a vaccine, in a negative way, it's a vaccine that, that that makes it very difficult for us to bring the full power of the go- the good news to them. But, as I tell people, it is certainly possible to do that nonetheless.
1: And one of the things that occurred to me then reading this uh, passage by Chester, and I shared this with you, Dr. Bergwald, and I haven't gotten to follow up and look for that, but um, is... I wonder if this is a little bit of what inspired, and you know, whether it's directly from Chesterton or just the same idea, but I wonder if this is a little bit of what inspired C.S. Lewis in his creation of, uh, of Aslan and Narnia. Because, um, especially in the line, The Witch in the Wardrobe, um, you know, uh, Dr. Peter Krafer again speaks about how one of the, the unique accomplishments of that book is that it gets us to feel about Aslan what Jesus' contemporaries felt about him. Oh sure, yeah, and and that that's kind of the real power the uh, the gift of that book, and um, so uh, uh, and that, that was just a fascinating thought and just kind of put the two thoughts together. Now, so it's something to speculate on. I don't know if we'd ever know whether there's a direct connection or not, um, but it certainly makes uh, me appreciate things like the Chronicles of Narnia or the Passion of the Christ, efforts like that all the more.
0: Absolutely. You know, I, and I, I shared this with Father as well. What, um, this is it from The Everlasting Man, it's one of from one of Ch- Chesterton's other books, Orthodoxy, uh, which I think you said Father's on Crafe's uh, list, is that right?
1: Yes, on okay. his list of six, apparently. Six. I, I was wrong, it's six books, not five. Okay.
0: okay. Um, so on in, in the beginning of Orthodoxy, he gives a, a similar um, word image uh, to, to convey this point, um, and, and this is my, you know, I don't have it right in front of me, so it's sort of my my take on what he says there. Uh, but the, the idea of a of a man who sets sail from from England to discover in in a boat to discover a new new country, and he and he sails and he comes upon this land, and he sails up this river and comes to this what seems to be you know central city for this this new land. People look strange and strange buildings, and he gets out of his out of his out of his ship, and he plants the the Union Jack on the ground, and, and I claim this this land for, you know, Queen Elizabeth. And somebody looks at him and, hey, dude, you're in London. Uh, but just, the, the, so the, you know he, he comes back, but he saw it from a different perspective and was struck in an awe and amazement by that. And that's, I think, what, what, um, what we've been saying here. Chester makes the similar point in The Everlasting Man, and it's what the Holy Father desires for this year of faith, that we be struck anew by the wonder, the awe, the, the joy of, of, of the relationship with Christ and everything that comes with it.
1: Right, but which is just uh, which is what we need so badly in our own spiritual life and also for the sake of evangelization, you know, why invite someone to humdrum
0: exactly, yeah, I and mean, if you look miserable being a Christian, being a Catholic, why the heck is that going to attract anybody? I mean no matter what you say, what does what, what, what do you and your actions and the way you carry yourself the way you respond what does that convey about about Your excitement or not about being a Catholic?
1: Right, right. Well, which brings me to actually another um, idea, Um, and that's uh, this is also the beauty. And and I'm surprised Cheston doesn't bring this up. At least not in the introduction. But this is also the power and the beauty of the saints. Yep. Uh, that the saints, you know, again, our uh, Saint John Vianney will refer to the saints as so many mirrors in which Christ admires Himself,
0: mm.
1: right? And so, in the saints, we're able to see the virtues, the qualities, the aspects of Jesus Christ, the power and the glory of His name and His reign, and uh, in a new and fresh way for our own time or for our own personalities and ways.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm. Uh, I remember. Pope Benedict again before he was pope. He, I think this is late 70s or early 80s. Said that the best apologetic, the best defense, explanation of um, the Catholic faith is her art. in in our day and age, the most effective in our day and age is her sacred art and her saints. So the beautiness of our art, the beautiness of those who live out the faith with intensity, are in in this day and age the best explanation um, and defense of the Catholic faith.
1: Very much so
0: it's good yeah so anything else the father uh, along this uh, these lines or, or what you've read so thus far in the everlasting man that that you want to share uh,
1: no, I think that would be um, about it
0: okay and uh, I, I am wondering did you did, did did you guys come up with the other two titles lists titles yes
1: uh, so, uh, well, there's some debate, because some people talk about there being a five-book list, some people talk about a six-book list. But in the talk that I was referring to, um, he talks about Lost in the Cosmos by Walker Percy. Oh, okay. Which is kind of a mock self-help book.
0: Yep. Uh, it's-, it's a novel, right, isn't it? Yep. That,
1: yep. A novel. Okay. And then The Abolition of Man, which is a serious uh, book by C.S. Lewis about relativism. Yep. And then, uh, and Peter Kraft would say those two books kind of form the foundation, okay. the precondition of why we need to read the other four. Okay. Um, because they kind of just said, this, this is the world we're in, basically, they tell us. Okay. I recently just completed The Abolition of Man, and I was like, man, this is so 2013. <laughs> but he wrote it in 1944. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Peter Crave considers Lost in the Cosmos* to kind of be a novel version, not as in the sense of new, but in the sense of a story um, of of that. Now, uh, then the, the, the other four then are Mere Christianity. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's the Everlasting Man by G.K. Chesterton and Orthodoxy. And then the final book being Brave New World. Oh, okay. Uh, Brave New World, because he says Brave New World is the book that talks about um, what our life would be like if we follow relativism, and, and, and detach ourselves from our human history. Uh, like we seem to be on the path of doing,
0: yeah. So uh, oftentimes, and Kraft, uh, I, I'm I'm not surprised at all that he he recommended included that one in his list. Um, he, he talks, as do others, about you know sort of if you look back in the last fifty years, the 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 novels that are dystopias for the future look so so portrayals of not a utopia but a, the, an ugly, a, a a horrible future for humanity or at least part of humanity. Uh, people often think of of um, orwell's nineteen eighty four very much so, yeah. and then huxley's brave new world, and Craft is pretty adamant, and I agree with him that that um we 're not moving so much towards nineteen eighty four as we are moving towards or already in a brave new world
1: right, although there are certainly aspects in nineteen eighty four I think in our in our own current day uh, um, uh, uh thought speak yep. um you know the the dumbing down the loss of the loss of language yep uh, I was with a student a very a very good student. Um, and uh, I was just kind of curiously, I know this is a lot of my students, I should say, not point any one of them out, but that there really is a loss of vocabulary, and there's such a power to vocabulary in words and ideas, and when you lose vocabulary, when you lose words, you, you lose the, the ability to create ideas, to form ideas, to hold on to ideas, and to measure the worth of an idea.
0: You know, I'm reminded there, as you're talking about that, of of an episode of Ignition we did several months ago, uh, maybe over half a year ago, on Christian Smith's book Lost in Transition, looking in particular at young adults and their inability to articulate rational thought, particularly when it comes to a sense of morality of what's right and wrong. They don't... You know, with the loss of vocabulary c- comes eventually the loss of conceptualization. They, they 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 can't even think in those terms, let alone articulate themselves adequately.
1: Yeah, correct. And and that and that would be a sad state. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So those are the, okay. So those are the six books um, that it, on Crave's list, then. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. Um, I think we'll wrap things up. Any final closing thoughts, Father?
1: Read, read, read those books. Read those books. Think about... I, I, I've read All But uh, Lost in the Cosmos and Everlasting Man, which I'm currently reading. I actually read Brave New World back in college in a, at a secular college in an honors program, and it wasn't read to be a favorable book. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. There you go. Yeah, read those books. Think about... I mean, I'll, well, some of them at least potentially could be a, a spiritual reading for Lent, don't you think, Father?
1: Certainly, uh, I think uh, Mere Christianity probably be the most uh, that I'd recommend for a spiritual read. The other yep. ones might be a little more. Chesterton, if you're used to Chesterton, go for it, people. If you're not yeah. used to him, um, bring a dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> and, a, and a cultural encyclopedia.
0: Yeah, exactly. We need uh, an annotated uh, ver- edition of Everlasting Man, I think.
1: Yeah, and it'd be three times as large.
0: Yes, it would be. Very good. All right. Thanks, Father. All right. We'll be back We'll be back next week with another episode of Ignition. May God bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ignition. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future topics, you can email me at cbergwald at sfcatholic.org. That's C-B-U-R-G-W-A-L-D at sfcatholic.org. Again, thanks for listening.